I'm not really going to be preaching tonight. I just want to have a family meeting, okay? And we will look at one scripture just to make it official, and uh, as if we've been in church. But uh, bear with me as I get these thoughts out. I've already let the cat out of the bag this morning, but I spent several days last week fasting and praying over whether or not we should return to one morning service. And, and I don't mention that because I want to sound like I'm somebody spiritual. I just want to highlight the seriousness this decision is for me and how serious I take it in our church corporately. And while I was hoping to receive more from the Lord, I did get enough from God to make the decision which I feel is best for our church at this time. 2019 was such an amazing year. For those that were a part of our church, uh, we saw record giving, a very high attendance that just kept trending upward throughout the year, and things were going along. We got a lot of projects accomplished that year, and it was just a great year um, for me, and I hope for you. I was just glad. I felt like we were firing on all cylinders. It just seemed like things were clicking along. Um, one guest preacher came in and was talking about the synergy that the church has and just how good the, the excitement was. And I think we all sense God's working in our church even now, but um, certainly then. And parking was an issue. Seating was an issue. Sunday school classes were packing out. All of which are wonderful issues to be dealing with, amen? None of this is a complaint. Every church should love dealing with what we have to deal with, at least to some extent. I like having the parking issues, the seating issues, all those things. These are great blessings to have, and uh, we ought to praise God for that, if anything else. Even if we had a bigger building, I want to be dealing with these issues. Because it means God is blessing, amen? Things are happening, and, and that's important. And though these are great blessings to be dealing with, it's still heartbreaking to watch at the time as visitors would drive into the parking lot and drive right back out finding no place to park as people would walk in the back door, take a look around, and walk back out. And that broke my heart. And I, can't, I couldn't help but think that maybe somebody needed the Lord that day. Or maybe a family was in a crisis situation and they were looking for a word from the Lord by coming to church and they didn't find their way in. And you say, well, that's just a sign of their immaturity. I know that. They could have squeezed their way in, but that's why we need to reach them. Not everybody's at your level. Amen. And so we, we want to be reaching people, and it was just heartbreaking to say the least. And I wanted to do what was best, and after much counsel, the decision was made to go to two Sunday morning services. That was an attempt to accommodate those God was bringing our way that were leaving. They were coming in, walking out, and those were things I observed with my eyes, okay? These are not just things I'm, I was hearing about. I, was, I saw them. And... So I made some calls, I talked to some preachers, I got, I got advice, all of them said it was the wise thing to do, um, 100%. And then, and, and I say that just to tell you, the, the decision was very purposeful. It was not a rush thing, it was not a hurried thing, and, and I'll prove that to you right now, because I went back and I looked at my past state of the church addresses that I give every year, and I started giving those in 2018, and Believe it or not, I first mentioned the idea of two services at the conclusion of that 2018 State of the Church address. I just mentioned a little blurb, one sentence. And I, I, and I went back and I got the quote, and this is what I stated. Should God build us up before we are able to build, we can overflow into the choir loft. 
Two services are an option, but a last option. And I had that underlined on my slides for emphasis. It was the last option. In the 2019 church address, I really hammered the need that we need to maximize our parking, our seating, and kind of see it as a ministry of sorts to open up places for people to sit and park. And then it was supposed to be this idea of going in stages. Let's go, let's overflow the choir, let's overflow all the seating we can, and then let's go to a second service. And then in our 2020 State of the Church Address, um, I began, or actually, I got ahead of myself here. So the idea was to overflow the choir in 2020 before going to two Sunday morning services in 2021. That was the original plan. I don't know if you remember that, but originally it was like, hey, in 2021, the spring of 2021, we'll start two services. But I really sensed the Lord was dealing with me about doing something right away, go ahead and implement something that would uh, help and something that we needed to do sooner. So we took that, that step in 2020 uh, after I spoke to the pastors that I was referring to. And so I made the suggestion that we go ahead and launch two Sunday morning services, and we did that in March of 2020. But guess what else happened in March of 2020? COVID-19. And that pandemonium was exploding everywhere. And it, you know, when we went to two services, it was the very weekend that it started to get crazy here in South Dakota. Now, I look at that personally, and you can disagree, but I look at that personally as God leading us to that in order that we could spread out a little bit to get through that time of uncertainty. I mean, what are the odds that it would land on that weekend? And so I really felt like God was, looking back, I really feel God was guiding to that decision for that reason, though I had other reasons in mind. So to kind of summarize that, it was in 2018 that I dropped a hint. 2019, I mentioned it as viable to building, as an alternative to building. And then in 2020, we went for it. But the emphasis the whole time was all about reaching souls. And and that's what our emphasis needs to be about. And so with that wave of momentum we were riding, and with no money to build, it made good sense to reach further than we had before by doing something we'd never done before. And, And you had nothing ventured, nothing gained. Amen. There's nothing wrong with taking chances and doing things. Newton's first law of motion states this. An object at rest will stay at rest. I'm picturing some guy on the couch playing Xbox. But an object in motion will stay in motion unless acted on by a net external force. I believe we were in motion. Things were happening and then COVID was our net external force, acted upon our motion. And we definitely lost our momentum. Thankfully, we never had to shut our doors. But there was a couple of rough stretches. For those who were able to be here through that, we hit a low of only 38 in attendance on April 19th, my wife's birthday. And then you'll remember in August when most of our church was infected with COVID. That was a fun time. And we dipped to only 56 between both services right before our family camp. You know how deflating that was, having Brother Summerdorf here and COVID-19 hit our church? And Newton's second law of motion states, the rate of change of momentum of a body over time is directly proportional to the force applied and occurs in the same direction as the applied force. So our momentum was certainly hit head-on by the virus. And our church, which was once in motion and gaining momentum, was greatly impacted. 
And I, and I think every church went through its difficulties, although I'm sure those difficulties varied from state to state. But by the grace of God, you demonstrated your resilience. And we quickly came back up and everybody returned. Um, everybody, I think, has returned at least once. Not everyone has returned faithfully yet. But we've seen everybody at least turn, return once. We've even seen some new people uh, since then. So here we are with essentially, and, and I said that to say this, we, here we are essentially with the same numbers that we had pre-COVID. So why talk about canceling the first Sunday morning service? What gives? Well, the difference between now and the end of 2019, the difference between now and then is we're talking overall averages. But if you drill down, you'll, you'll discover that as 2019 went on, there was a consistent uptick. Okay, there was a con consistent momentum shift. And, and that momentum, I think, is the key here. And that momentum was carrying us on, and we were beginning to really see this constant upward uh, direction. If you look at the averages right now, we're at the exact same average. But when you look closer, you'll find that, no, we were steadily increasing there uh, towards the end. But now things have flattened out to our old average. And that's uh, one thing I'm looking at, but that's not the main thing. As I said in 2018, two services were always a last option. And I've said throughout this, it was never my preference to have to. It's always best to have the, the folks in one service. Um, I shouldn't have to convince you of that, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to in just a minute just to be safe. And so the, the, the idea was that was the last option, but we had to do something because people were coming in and leaving. And so during a Sunday night message entitled Prepare, I gave that on September 22nd, 2019. I stated this, quote, if I sense we have lost momentum, then we are shutting the thing down, end quote. Well, we've lost momentum. And because of that, we're not going to do the 830 service uh, beginning on May 30th. I want you to know this has nothing to do with workload. None of this is because I feel burned out. Ken has not come to me and said, I'm tired of leading music in two services. None of this has to do with anybody being tired or anything like that. To be transparent with you, there is a mix of opinions among our deacons. But all of them agreed to follow whatever decision was made. And I hope that's your, your decision as well, that you'll follow, you'll follow what, what I decide with a right heart and a right spirit. You don't have to agree with me on this decision. Um, I understand there's going to be some differences of opinion. But it, it, like I said, it's more than momentum that's led to this decision. And this is where I really need you to trust me um, when I tell you this. But there is an there is an intangible issue that has taken place which is affecting the spirit of the church. And I can't put my finger on it. And I was really crying out to the Lord to show me specifically what it is that's going on. We began two morning services 14 months ago. We shut it down for five weeks from April to May time frame of 2020. Um, so we've had 12 consecutive months now of doing this, and I think that's plenty of time to know whether or not this venture is on the right track. Um, I know there's been a pandemic, and so that kind of throws everything out the window as far as what everybody had told me, because none of those pastors ever had to do that through leading their church through a pandemic. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So this is a little bit different situation for sure. Um, but God is more than capable, no matter the outward circumstances, to bless in two morning services or one, right? Yeah. So I could give it more time, 
but with a different spirit on Sunday mornings, it seems counterproductive to me to give it more time because who wants to join a church where something's off? So we open up the seats, we open up the parking to get people in, but they come in, and if they sense something's off, like I am sensing something's off, I wouldn't join. I see it all as counterproductive. So there might be some logic in saying this. Well, you know, preacher, let's, let's up our outreach and let's see if what happens. I understand that makes good logical sense, but listen, we should never do outreach because we want to fill a church. Understand what I'm saying. We do outreach because God commands it. And if He gives the results and fills the church from that, praise God. But our main goal isn't that. Our main goal is just to do what God said, and that's to plant and water. Some will be rightly concerned that this is a step backwards. And perhaps under normal circumstances, that would be true. But I cannot overemphasize the impact that COVID-19 has had. I mean, Longhorn just opened up their seating area, their little waiting area there. I got so mad there one night. Where's Mike Chavez? He was there. Yeah. I got it. I walked in. And I, y'all don't have time for storytelling. Anyway. Um, I walked out. They're like, you can go wait in your car and we'll text you. I said, I don't think so. Open up your stupid waiting area. Everybody's sitting in here. So Mike didn't know he was in there. He texted me. He said, hey, come sit with us or something like that. I said, no, I'm so mad at this place. So I went over to Roadhouse. They had an hour wait. So I went over to Outback, which is like the last resort. I ended up waiting 30 minutes there. I got a steak before the night was over. Amen. COVID's messing things up. That's all I'm saying. We are not under normal circumstances is what I'm saying. So please do not view this as a step backwards. Now, you may not can tell as easily from where you sit. This is not a knock. This is not a slam. But you may not be able to tell that something's off as easy from where you sit. But the spiritual difference is palpable up here. I mean, you can just tell something is is different. I sense it. Brother Long senses it. I don't know if the pianist can sense it. But there has been a very different shift from our pre-COVID environment to now. And it isn't one service over another. There has been a trend, but it's not one service over another. Um, There has been, sometimes I come home and go, man, this service just felt off. Next week, this service just felt off. And, And so it's not that one is worse than the other. Just something needs to be tweaked is all I'm saying. And so knowing that something is very definitely off, as your under shepherd, I cannot in good conscience keep the flock in a position that I don't feel is as healthy as it could be. I realize several, several of you have grown to love the early service because it frees up some of your day, and I can understand the appeal to that. And honestly, the only thing that has made this decision difficult is our 830 crowd. Um, I don't want them to think that I don't care about them or anything like that. I most certainly do. That's what has made this decision so hard. I've even tossed around in my mind, do we adjust the times? Do we just go to a 9 o'clock Sunday school and a 10 o'clock service try to make everybody happy? Um, and the bottom line is you can't please everybody. And what's difficult is we do have the bus route. That, that does change as far as us looking at doing time changes and things like that. We are a very heavy tourist town. Most people are accustomed to church at 11, so I kind of hate to change the time to 10 just to see people come up and realize we've already had church. Uh, there's some things there, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to entertaining that if that's something people feel strongly about. But anyway, uh, you may not can tell as easily, but, but there is something that's going on. And so this decision tonight 
is all about getting in, in tune with God. I want you to understand that. Um, it's not workload or anything. It's just getting back in tune with God. So how do we regain our momentum? Well, there has to be a force greater than the opposing force. And I believe that greater force we need to get back to is the pre-COVID spirit we had in this church body. We need that spark back in our church that ignites the fire that we all were experiencing. Would you join a church where the spirit is off? Would you want to be a part of a church where the spirit is not moving? I wouldn't. I don't want my children to experience a, religi a religiosity, but I want them to experience God. Know that God's moving. Well, go to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, I, I want to just read a few verses here to make some application to our situation. Obviously, the context here is not two services. That's not something they, we see in the Bible. But this is merely an application from this text. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 20 say, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together therefore into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So this church in Corinth was not gathering across two morning services. We understand that. But their gathering was not for the better. It was for the worse. And again, I, I can't really explain it all. But in some strange way, our coming together in our current format of two services has not been for the better. Not lately. Paul states their gathering together was not for the better because there were divisions among them. I don't sense that we have heresies here like this text is talking about, and that's why there's division. No. I don't even think we're really divided um, in the sense of what this is talking about. But the body is divided in the sense that it is separated between two services, which is something we knew going into it. And I'm not against that, as I'll kind of close out with. But they were divided um, here, and we are kind of divided in our situation. Notice in verse 18, Paul says, When ye come together in the church. And then in verse 20, he states, When ye come together, therefore, into one place. 1 Corinthians 14.23 says, If therefore the whole church be come together into one place. Acts 2.1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. I don't think I need to convince any of you tonight that it is always preferable for a church body to be gathered together in one place. Amen. This is something we all recognize before we stepped out by faith in launching two services. I don't see this issue as debatable. Sometimes it is needed. Sometimes you need two services. Um, but I think overall we would understand that being together is the best that we could do, and I don't think you'd disagree with that. Therefore, if we are all able to gather into one service, then biblically I don't think it's prudent to continue with two Sunday morning services. Now, I want to share with you some things that the Lord dealt with me about while I was fasting and praying, and I owe you that much since I missed Wednesday night. I'll tell you, first of all, there were some things that God dealt with me on a personal level. Some things that He's showing me that I need to work on. I don't think the details are needed at this time. I'm not embarrassed to share them. I think it'll probably come out in time, but for sake of time, 
I'm glad God had impressed those things upon me to say, this is your problem. These are some things you need to work on. And we should all want that, amen? And so God was dealing with me initially, that's all I was hearing, was some things that I've got to deal with. And so I'm, I'm working on those, and, and God knows my heart, and I'll leave it there for now. But what about the white elephant in the room for some? If we return to one service, won't we be right back in the same situation we were in before going to two services? Good question. The short answer is yes, but without the momentum. So the long answer is yes and no. Now, I've given you the quote-unquote experts statistics several times. 60% feels like the church is on the move. People come in the door, they feel like this church is on the move. It's not like empty. It looks like it's growing, but there's still room here for me. When you hit 80%, it feels like the church is too full for me to join. And when a church is 80%, we are told by the experts that it is recommended you build another facility or you go to two Sunday morning services. And as a reminder, before we went to two Sunday morning services, we were averaging 80% for 31 months in the sanctuary. We went to chairs, long story short, but we went to chairs, we restructured the junior church, we saw a spike. We opened up seating, we saw a spike in attendance. As we opened up room, people were coming in. And so that was also part of the reason for going to two uh, services, but uh, we, we were running that, and we were hitting well over 90% for, I think it was, I forget how many Sundays in the year, it was a lot, actually, and we were hitting as high as 95, 98% capacity in the sanctuary, and that's why we were needing to make a decision. As of now, if we go back to one Sunday morning service with the, with the folks that are sitting in the sanctuary, not including junior church, uh, nursery, and things like that, we would already start out at 75.6% capacity. However, if you'll remember, when we went to two Sunday morning services, we actually had 20 more chairs in here. But we took those chairs out because we knew it was going to have an effect on how it felt. And so we took those 20 chairs out. If we put those 20 chairs back in, which I would plan to do, then that 75% drops down to 67%. And if we utilize the choir, then that drops all the way down to 58%. And, and I say that to say, therefore, we can easily make the transition back to one service without any seating issues. You may recall the original idea was to go to choir seating. We tinkered with that. Never really pushed it as hard as I should have. Um, but we, we tinkered with it. We, we played around with that. But God really impressed upon me to go to the two services, which I now know was for the purpose of weathering COVID-19. So really, we level jump straight to two services is what I'm saying. Now, given our current average in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings, if we added 20 seats back in and if we utilized the choir, for us to get back to 80% capacity, we would need to see an increase of 37%. That's pretty big. Or 46 people. 46 doesn't sound like a large number. But for our church, it is. A church our size. Think about it this way. If the average family is four people, then it would take 11 families to become faithful to reach that 80%. Not to mention, did you know 25% of the church is absent every week? I, when I heard that stat, I said, there's no way. And then I crunched the numbers, and we were exactly 25% absent every week. And that's just due to sicknesses, travel, you know, people going to see family, all that kind of stuff. It just happens. Well, let me just go ahead and throw it in there because I like to preach. That includes the backsliders, amen. Yeah, so. 
So it wouldn't be out of line to say we would need an additional 11 and a half people on top of that 46 to make it consistent. That'd be 57 plus people or 14 families. Now we have no doubt that God can do that. Amen. Amen. I believe the first year I was here, we saw over 50 people join the church. I can't remember what it was, Um, but God isn't doing that at the moment. By the way, 80% in the sanctuary with 20 extra seats utilizing the choir loft would be 170 people um, in the sanctuary not including nursery and junior churches. So really the question is, how do we park for that many people? Because parking is the main issue here. And really, if you paid attention, even with two services, parking was never solved. (laughs) That was such a letdown, because that was one of the main reasons we did it. If we add in our average for nursery and junior church, then 170 becomes 207 on average. But... With more families, that number would grow slightly, so I just round up to say 250. How do we park for 215 people? Now, some of this fluctuate because it does depend on how many come in on the vans and so forth, but my mind can only process so many statistics, okay? So just deal with it. Now, these experts, again, I don't know who they are, but these experts say, (laughs) you know, you never meet them. But you can expect an average of two to two and a half people per vehicle. And again, I heard these stats, and I said, well, let me just do the math. And that's exactly what we landed on. All these stats are right on, so they are pretty expert on what they do. Um, that's exactly what we, we, we see. And we have 48 marked parking spots, which would mean 96 to 120 people, which we currently exceed every Sunday. And two of those spots are currently being used for our, band, our vans, Luke and John. <laughs> um, so really, there's 46 spots out there that you can use every Sunday. There are five spots that are unmarked that you can easily park in. I'm not going to bore, I took all that out, but if you want me to show you where you can park, <laughs> come and see me. Which means we can get a max of 51 vehicles in the parking lot at one time. Uh, on average, this would be 102 to 127 and a half people. <laughs> um, that would be entering the building through the parking lot. Thinking 80% capacity with the extra chairs in the choir loft, how do we park for those additional 87 and a half to 113 people? Because this would require 35 to 57 more parking spots, which we clearly do not have. I still like Darlene's idea of adding a garage, parking garage out here, and we can have levels, amen. <laughs> and then she said, this wasn't me, this was her idea. And then we charge people to park. <laughs> Amen. Well, what do we do? We have to park along the road. We need to park in the grassy areas. I'm saying this because I I want you to go back to this this mindset that we were at before. You can park right over here. You can fill up this whole grassy area. You can park behind the shed over there. I park in the grass almost every Sunday morning over there. We can park at the elementary school again, which is something we need to entertain again. Ideally, I'd love to pave the grassy areas, but it's just so expensive. And do we really want to fund that large of a project when we really need a new facility? I don't know, maybe. I don't know what the answer is. We've entertained those things in deacons' meetings. The bottom line is, while seating can be an issue, the real issue in this facility as of right now is our parking limitations. So in order to get visitors into the building, we have to free up the parking lot. Right? Because they're, they're not going to know. They don't know the neighborhood. They don't know to park at the school or on the street. We have to free up parking in the parking lot. And no, I don't want reserve visitor parking spots. I just don't. <laughs> um, amen. 
Now, there is a way to solve our parking woes, but it would take your participation. It may sound corny at first, but so does everything I say. <laughs> we, we could do a valet parking service if you are willing. I'm not going to get into the particulars now because of time. But we could do a valet parking service where you can come up to the front, hand your keys off to the, the dude, and he'll go down and park it at the elementary school. So just something we can think about, okay? Uh, moving on, I've sought for a reason why things have been off. I can't put my finger on it. But God made it, uh, didn't make it abundantly clear. But one thing I felt God was bringing to my attention is our music. I was reminded how these church experts, they're not of our stripe. Therefore, there's a different dynamic that we take into account that they don't. Two things, really. One would be our music, and two would be our, our buses. Usually, those who are doing these types of expert stuff are not running vans, and their music program is way different than ours is. Uh, namely, our style versus theirs. And I'm not here to knock that right now. But I cannot overemphasize the importance of godly music in every service. It really does prepare the heart to hear from God's Word. In our first service, there is no choir. There is no orchestra. And I really feel that that first service is being cheated, if I can put it that way. And I believe it may be affecting the first service to some extent. The, the church experts are typically dealing with a church that has a praise band. What does that have to do with anything? Well, in those situations, the music becomes more of a concert, which leads to a more packaged music program that you can easily duplicate across two or more services. You with me? But our, our music is more living. And again, this, I hope I'm not really bashing the praise band. I'm, I'm not. Whatever. I just don't know what word to put on ours. But I, I put it this way. We draw from the congregation's participation. And a lot of times when you're dealing with, with just a band that's leading in music, watch the congregation if you ever go to a church like that and you'll see a lot of them just stand there. There's not a reciprocation. There's, there's not a participation. And, and I think we draw from the congregation's participation. Um, the, the choir special, the orchestra playing. And you can ask Brother Long, but even, and if I misrepresent you, brother, stop me, but even having the exact same songs in the first service and second service, it's different. It's different. And, and that's what I'm trying to get, get away from. God also spoke to me after Mike Young's message last Sunday night when Grayson's dad was here uh, preaching for us. God's, God was speaking to me during that message over a different issue, so I didn't hear what I think God wanted to tell me. But as I was, as I was praying and I was, I was, was seeking for God to, to speak to me on this, it, it popped in my head on, on day two of this that God used Mike Young to come here. Does anybody remember what he preached on? Adjustments. And it was like God just hit me and said, wake up, it's okay to adjust. And, and he said this, he had three points that he went. It looked like he had more, but he only gave three. And he said, those disciples had to make adjustments in their commitments. And so there's nothing wrong with making adjustments. And it was like God saying, I know you said you would give it until Labor Day, but it's okay if you adjust your commitment. 
When I became pastor, I inherited the elevator project. I get it. I'd, I'd, ride, I'd ride the elevator, amen? Maybe, Darlene, we could charge a buck for that. I don't know, but... Um, but what did we do? We made adjustments, right? We pulled the pews. We went to chairs so that we could have fellowships up here and not have to go downstairs. And we saved $60,000 in the process. There's nothing wrong with adjustments is what I'm saying, so I hope every one of you are okay with this tonight. Um, and i got to hurry. After tonight... There are only 16 Sundays until Labor Day. Three of those Sundays were going to be combined anyhow. I was already going to combine, when Dean Herring's here, I was already going to combine our God and Country rally. By the way, if you want to make plans on July 4th, we're, we're going to cancel the PM service, and we're going to have our God and Country rally that morning. Um, and then also the Sunday after the family camp. During our family camp, we combined into one. So really, there was only 13 Sundays left that we would have two different ser services before I was going to reassess what to do. So I don't think it hurts matters any to go ahead and make this move now. Um, you might be thinking, well, what's the matter? You don't, you don't believe God can add the 46, 13 weeks? You don't have that kind of faith? Sure, He can do it, but how many families are you actively pursuing? Just got real up in here. <laughs> not to mention, I'm not, in the, I'm, not, I'm not out and about enough. I pretty much go from 229th Street to 1515 Space Avenue. But when I am out it does appear that there's still about 50% on the feeling of COVID. I, I still feel like there's kind of a fear out there. And, and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that's the sense that I'm getting. For those of you that are out in the community, by all means, you can tell me what the, what the vibe is like. But I still feel like those fears are lingering out there. I also don't think it's a coincidence that in our series through John, that we started back in who knows when, in our series in John, we just happen to be in the section right now where Thomas missed Jesus showing up. I don't think that's a coincidence. It, he wasn't absent because there was two services. He was just absent. <laughs> I'd feel a lot better if he was because then we wouldn't even be making this decision. We would just stay with it. But it did make me think, wait a minute. What happens when Jesus shows up in the first service? Could we have all been together? And again, listen, it's one thing if you can't. Um, I reached out to, uh, brother, it might even be your church up there in Alaska. Y'all have two services, right? Yeah, I reached out to that church. That's right. And uh, sometimes you have to. And I reached out, I got advice from, from there. And um, sometimes you have to is what I'm saying. But if you can be together, why not? Because if Jesus shows up, I want you all to experience. And I hope he shows up all the time. Oh, and then yesterday morning, this kind of clinched it for me. I want you to know I feel God's leading in this. Um, yesterday morning, I received a text from Pastor uh, Robertson. He spoke our sweetheart banquet pastor over in Buffalo, Wyoming. I haven't told him this yet, and he didn't know I was dealing with any of these issues. And he sends these texts out every week to preachers, but this one really hit me because um, he had no clue what it is I'm trying to decide. And I've been struggling with this <laughs> all weekend. But he wrote this in part, quote, Ambition is a great thing if controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit. There are many mountains in life that we aspire to climb. Many are simply selfish ambitions. When our Lord ascended into the mountain, His goal was never His self-will. He went there to meet with the Father. I say the only mountain worth climbing is the one that allows us to meet the Father. 
The goal of every Christian must be to surrender self-will to God. What are your ambitions today? Are they self-willed ambitions? Are they ambitions that are surrendered to the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit? Are they ambitions that will bring glory and honor to the Lord? It's time we are honest. Surrender your will to God's will. Self-will leads to disaster, loss of blessing, punishment, and injury to others. God help us to yield ourselves to God and not be self-willed. And so I felt like God was speaking to me through that because in some respects that text really spoke to our issue because all of this is about what I see as us meeting with the Father. And I don't want to miss out on a blessing. And so I'm simply trying to yield my will to God's and be led by the Holy Spirit. And this decision isn't based on what's logical by the experts. But it is all based on where the spirit of this church is at. I'm all for making room for people, but not at the expense of missing out on God. And I did seek counsel from preachers on this decision. And I think everybody understands COVID is just a unique thing. And so all of them agreed, if you can, meet in one place at one time. Maybe I should put it that way. So to summarize, two services was always about meeting a need. But since the need, nor the momentum, is there any longer, we're going to return to one Sunday morning service on May the 30th. And unless I hear otherwise, Sunday school will still be at 10 and service will be at 11. We'll add 20 chairs back in here. And once the need arises, we'll overflow the choir and we'll have to get creative in our parking again. And for the record, I am not against returning to two services should the need arise. I've learned some lessons through this experience that I think we can use should we go down that road again. And God has shown me some things for me to work on personally. And so as of right now, I don't plan to make a move to two services until we overflow all of our seating. Amen? We're just going to make it work. We have to sense that the momentum is back to where it was before. Something else I stated in my message entitled Prepare from September 2019 was there's no ideal situation here. There's no ideal situation. And I still feel this way. Well, I will say that the one ideal situation is to build a new facility. I will take laps in that church, amen, because it'll be big enough. And uh, nobody will be here. It won't be during service. <laughs> but since we don't have the money, there's no ideal situation. However, I do hope by returning to a full church, it may help create and maintain the buzz for a new facility by seeing the need more frequently. Ultimately, I do believe this adjustment will help our spirit as a church and help our momentum all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. Isn't that what we sang this morning and they played just now? All is vain. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Please, please do not get frustrated with this adjustment. But understand, and I want you to get this because I believe we've got a good thing going here. Understand that a healthy, growing church is always in transitions. Always. Don't get too attached to your Sunday school area. Don't get attached to anything. Because we may need to say, I need you to flip-flop. I need you to move. I need you to think about this parking. And can I say this while it just popped in my head when we go back to one Sunday morning service? Don't look at that person like they're an oddball because they're sitting in your seat. 
How many of you know that stuff is not jokes? Yeah, yeah. Get this, sis. I went to go preach a revival in Kansas. Remember this? And I sat down about where maybe Mike or Bruce is, about, about that far back, but on this side, so maybe where Tim Wells is or Brother Murray. And I'm sitting there, and I'm the guest preacher. And this lady comes up and just stares at me. And I said, hey, good evening, or whatever I said. And she just stares. And it's getting awkward. She said, you're in my seat. I said, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> Excuse me. Let me you know, I'm a, I'm a guest. Of course, I'm going to be like, oh, well, you know, maybe she paid for the pew. I don't know. So I, <laughs> thankfully, the pastor came up and said, don't worry. She's, we're dealing with it. <laughs> Amen. Um, so don't, don't, be that, don't be that lady. Um, now, I'm not suggesting we're going to bounce back and forth from one service to two service. One, that's not healthy either. I will stick with one service for as long as we possibly can, but we have, to be made, we have to be willing to make adjustments as necessary. Listen, this is all about reaching more souls. You may say, well, how is going back to one service about reaching more souls? Trust me. When there is a right spirit in the church, you will reach more souls. I believe that with all my heart. So we got to get our groove back. The emperor's new groove, Kronk's new groove, whichever new groove you want to get. we got to get our groove back. <laughs> all the people with kids get it. But this will ultimately lead to reaching more people. Now listen, if you have any pressing questions, if you have anything you want to talk to me about afterwards, um, feel free to do so. But this is the direction we're heading. Um, and so if you have some advice, anything heavy on your heart. Anybody got anything heavy on your heart right now you want to share or are we good? All right. Um, let's close in prayer.